Australia Explained, keeping you on top of all things down under. In this episode of Australia Explained, we break down superannuation, what it is, how does it work and what is currently being discussed. Hello everyone, my name is Tanya Ragusa. And I'm Vanessa Di Grazia. And welcome back to Australia Explained. We'd like to start by acknowledging that we're recording this podcast on the lands of the Rwandri people of the Kulin Nation, and we pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. But before we get into today's episode, can we just take a moment to be grateful for the glow up that Australia and especially Victoria has had in this past month? Like (laughs) glow up. COVID's coming close (laughs) to being eradicated. The weather's sunny as hell. The borders are opening again. Zero cases. We're living capacities are increasing we're going out it's just like a different life now isn't it we're really we're really living so I just had to say that just (laughs) that had to be noted no Um, I definitely agree and now that we're all on the same page about how great Australia is right now let's get on the same page about something that's considered slightly less exciting than a sunny Aussie summer (laughs) (laughs) just slightly just a little bit and that is superannuation Yeah, super. It's a funny one because we all have it, but I feel like especially us young people barely know anything about it, even though it makes up, you know, 10% of our wage. Yeah, and I was having this conversation with my mum, who's in her late 40s, the other day, and she was saying how she's never even thought about her super before, and for the first time she went and checked it and looked into it, which is just crazy, um, and probably really common. And this topic came up with me and you first in our budget mm. episode when the regulations around super changed and we talked about that. Yeah, and I just think it because it is sort of um, organised for us through our employer I guess there is a notion that we don't have to do anything about it, but really it's important to keep on top of it. So don't stress, um, we've got you covered today. So we're going to break it down, what it is, the current issues and and some changes. So Vanessa, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So super, as defined by the ATO, is money put aside by your employer over your working life for you to live on when you retire from work. So it was set up in 1992 by Keating's Labor government because they knew that Australia would be experiencing this major demographic shift and become more of an aging population. They needed to look after people in retirement and also reduce pressure placed on the government to support these people. Without any super, the government would be paying much, much bigger pensions. So this turned out to be a pretty good idea because now, almost 30 years later, like many other wealthy nations, we do have an ageing population in a big way, but we have a decent system to deal with it. Yeah, and one of the primary stream of super that we have in Australia is a compulsory payment made by your employer. These are called compulsory contributions um, for all anyone who works and resides in Australia. So if you're over 18 and you earn more than $450 in a calendar month, you are eligible for super. If you are under 18, um, you must earn more than $450 in a month and work more than 30 hours per week to be eligible for super. But either way, it is applicable for all types of workers, whether you are casual, part-time, full-time, and also some temporary residents and some contractors as well are eligible for super. 
So what has to happen is at least once every three months, your employer must put aside a contribution to be made to your superannuation account. And this is called the superannuation guarantee because that's what it is. It's a guarantee that this money will be put aside for your retirement. There's no ifs and buts. This is the guarantee. Currently, this stands at 9.5% of your wage that is deposited into your super fund account by your employer. And this is set to increase to 12% by 2027. Now, note that this is on top of your wage. It doesn't get deducted from your wage. It is another payment that your employer makes. But just to add a note to your note, that some um, job postings are a bit dodgy and it will include super, even though that's not part of your wage. So if you're ever applying for a job and you're talking about pay, clarify, is it plus super or including super? Because it can make a big difference. Yeah. Um, back to the boring stuff. No, fun stuff. I lied. Um, <laughs> super is governed by federal law and employers are responsible for paying you. You don't need to do absolutely anything. But if you want, you can make your own voluntary contributions by putting part of your wage into your account after tax or setting up something called a salary sacrifice, which is an automatic debit transaction that transfers money into your super each pay cycle before tax is deducted. And that's a whole other tax financing that we're not going to get into, but you can look into it if you're interested. Yeah, you can, it can be set up through your employer. Yeah, exactly. Um, and low-income earners, so that's less than 37 k a year, are also eligible for super contributions from the government. There's also caps on the amount that you can contribute to your super each year without having to pay additional tax to make sure people don't use it as like a tax escape. Yeah, like a tax evasion sort of thing. Yeah, people love um, doing that. access to your superannuation varies depending on when you were born so for example um, those born before 1960 can access their super at the age of 55 Um, but this has increased to 60 years for those born after 30th of June 1964 and the age will continue to increase as you know life expectancy increases as well so I don't know when we'll be able to access our super, <laughs> probably, you know, into our 70s, let's be honest. 55 sounds so young. Is that just me? I know. Like... <laughs> no, no, I agree with you. <laughs> like odd. I mean, I'd take it, but it seems odd. Yeah. Um. Mm. Anyway, and before 2020, you could only access your superannuation when you were at that age or else in a very dire circumstance. So like you needed to retire due to an illness or a permanent incapacity to work. But given COVID and the income security that insecurity that's become along with that, Australians have been able to apply for early access to their super to keep them afloat during this year. And we'll talk about that more later. Yeah, this is a different issue too. So what does super look like in Australia? So it's important to remember that superannuation is a private industry in Australia, which means it is a competitive market with around 500 different companies and funds competing with each other, trying to get you to create an account with them. And they make a profit from charging member fees and account fees. So it's a bustling industry. And as of June 2020, Uh, The super industry in Australia held around $2.9 trillion in worth, making Australia one of the largest holders of pension fund assets in the world. So it's a very uh, big money-making industry. Everything always comes back to that, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it does. 
Um, and there are different types of funds, but here are some of the main ones. So you've got the industry funds. So they're traditionally run by employer associations and or unions, but are no longer industry specific. So they have no shareholders, which means that they're run solely for the benefit of members. So essentially a non-for-profit. So industry funds return all their profits to their members. Then you have retail funds, which unlike industry funds, they are run by financial institutions such as banks or insurance companies. These funds have shareholders who receive a return on any profits generated by the fund. Next up, you've got public service, public sector funds. Um, these are established by the government and they're for government employees, civil servants, etc. Your average Joe does not have access to these funds. Mm-hmm. And last but not least is the self-managed super funds. So this is basically like a DIY kind of fund yeah. um, that you can set up with financial advisors and things like that. And it chooses how you manage your own money. Um, but that's a bit more complex, we'll say. Complex, yeah. And it's complex because each super fund invests your super money for you unless you're in a self-managed super fund where you sort of choose where your investments go. So most of the time, your super fund, there'll be like a range of options that you can choose from um, to invest in shares and properties and other things to help your super grow. So all the money that's put into your super will continue to grow um, outside of the contributions that is made as well with interest and, and investment. So it's always important to read the fine print of your fund accounts to find out what your investment portfolio looks like. Yeah, and lots of people think that they don't invest because they think, oh, I don't own any shares or anything like that. But all of us do. You just might not yeah. know where your money your is being super invested. Is yeah. Exactly. Um, lost super is also a huge issue that we've spoken about before, and it contributes to their revenue. So one person that has multiple super accounts that they aren't aware of will get charged multiple account fees. So super is technically defined as lost when there have not been contributions into the account for the past 12 months. It's basically inactive and it can happen sometimes if you change your name or address or there's no available contact. Um, It's quite easy to lose track of, especially when you get a new job, your employee will most likely have their own super fund that they want want you to make an account with. So if you're creating a new account with a new fund every time you get a job, this can lead to that multiple accounts that you've forgotten and the super funds are just making money while you're not even realising. Yeah, and then your your super fund account balance just slowly dwindle, dwindles down due to all the account fees that are just slowly taken out and you've lost all that money for your future. Um, we touched on this in our budget episode if you want to check that out. Um, but there is around $20 billion of lost super out there floating around um, by people who haven't claimed their accounts. So what you want to be doing is something called consolidating your super or rolling over your super, which means you transfer the money from old accounts into your current account and that's the account that you're keeping track of. And this can be done via the ATO or through your super fund. You can contact them as well and they'll try and track down any lost super that you have. So give us some statistics about super in Australia. So what does it look like across different kinds of people, jobs, industries? Yeah, this is a big talking point. Um, Obvious one to point out is that if you earn more money, you will retire with more money. Um, so in a way, the system favors those in steady, high earning income jobs, you know, your white collar jobs, professionals, managers, executives, um, they will all retire with more money than those in lower earning, you know, casual or part time jobs. 
but you are particularly disadvantaged if you work in certain industries where you're more likely to be to be paid cash or you know sometimes we refer it to you know paid off the books this means that employers don't legally record the payments made to employers employees um, and they do this to avoid you know payroll taxes or other costs such as superannuation yeah and there's so many stories of those working in the hospitality industry um not having any super because this is an industry that's historically been known for underpaying employees and not giving proper benefits. So you've got stories of like bartenders and chefs with less than a hundred dollars in their super accounts after 12 years in the industry, which is horrifying. Um, Mm. In 2018, the CEO of Superfund Host Plus, David Aller, claimed that his fund was recovering around $2 million a month in unpaid super contributions from employers. But usually that's a burden that's placed on the employee to catch up. So that's emotionally, financially exhaustive and a lot of people just don't bother. Yeah, and, and that's where it's a shame because imagine not having that security once you retire. It's it's awful. Um, so I think it really highlights the issue of, I guess, cash culture in Australia because I'm sure we all know someone, a friend, a family member who works, you know, cash in hand and maybe they aren't getting these benefits but also highlights the struggles of many small businesses who can't stay on top of cash flow and they can't ensure that employees are getting their benefits. To which I would say, if you can't afford to pay your staff their proper benefits, you can't afford to run a business. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, another big issue, though, is women in super. Those um, women. Because, oh, and it's like <laughs> when you think gender equality can't reach all aspects of the world, it does. <laughs> Um, gender equality within super is very strife. So women currently retire with around 47% less superannuation than men. That is literally half the amount. I can't. Sickening, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, and it's even worse. It's more troublesome because women on average live five years longer than men. And therefore we technically require more money to support ourselves post retirement. So it's, yeah, it was harrowing reading these these statistics. And a 2018 report found that women are more likely to live in poverty after retirement because of it. So it is it is a real struggle. Yeah, I heard on a Guardian podcast this week that women in their 50s, um, single women in their 50s are the fastest growing group of homelessness as well. So it all contributes to this pattern. Um, mm. And in terms of super, many, many factors contribute um, to this smaller number. So firstly... There's less women in the workforce in general, so they're more likely to rely on their husbands or partners um, as the main source of income during their lives and during retirement. Mm -hmm. You've got the gender pay gap. Female female graduates may still earn around $5,000 less than male graduates in the same role. Same role. Yeah. Yeah, Lovely. Um, Women are 18% less likely to work full-time in comparison to men because we're more likely to take up unpaid domestic work, casual work, part-time work due to caring duties or familial expectations. And to push this a little bit further, women on average take five years out of the workforce entirely when having children, and this can stagnate their super savings. Double whammy is that it doesn't only lower their super, but it also um, lowers their opportunities for job promotions and salary increases. So... Women's work lives are not based on this continuous linear upwards trajectory that underpins superannuation projections. It's a lot more complicated and a lot more disjointed than that straight line it was modelled on. Yeah, and I think it just goes to show that 
it's not one singular factor that contributes to this this gap. It's a real complex intersection of different factors that impact upon gender inequality, women's experiences in the workforce, and also, you know, their segregation and their livelihoods. Between 2017 and 2019, the superannuation industry was included in a royal commission that investigated the misconduct of financial institutions in Australia. What was found and what was recommended? This was really big. Do you remember hearing about this in the media quite a bit? Yeah, I didn't know it was super about the super part though. Yeah, so um, involved were banks, insurance companies, and and superannuation funds. So any anything involved in finances more generally, because there were many reports of misconduct, you know, greedy behaviors, trying to suck up money from from customers, and and a lot of unapproved transactions that that sparked this royal commission. So in regards to the superannuation industry specifically, the main findings were that one. Australians were basically being ripped off by the amount of fees we had to pay for our super. So, you know, an increase of 0.5% in annual super fees per year can potentially cost the average full-time working Australian 12% of their super savings by the, by the time they retire, which is nuts because there are so many fees that we have to pay, insurance covers, all these things. There were also cases of customers being charged fees for services they never received. Um, And in an extreme case, um, charging fees to customers after they had died. So, you know, these counts were no longer viable. Um, It also called for the banning of unnecessary and unsolicited sale of extra super products. So too many people were being pressured into signing up for things that they did not need. I think that's why episodes like this and just conversations about transparency is important because all of those things happened because people weren't paying attention and they were taking advantage. Yeah. Um, The Superfund AMP, which is a very popular one, probably a few people listening are with AMP, received the most attention during the Royal Commission because 15,000 customers were identified um, as being charged fees for advice that they were never even given. And they were needed to refund around $4.7 million back to these people. Yeah. There yeah. were also stories of inappropriate advice and services being provided. In one case, an employee encouraged a customer to roll over three non-AMP super accounts into an AMP-owned account, despite incurring an exit fee of $16,000. Clearly not a smart choice. Oh, no. <laughs> the scandal of the Royal Commission even forced um, CEO Craig Miller and Chairman Catherine Brenner to resign. Um, the cost of the issues raised at the Royal Commission also led to all the AMP directors taking a 25% pay cut for most of 2018, which reading that over, I don't feel too bad for them. No, because they were they were exploiting customers and, you know, that 16000 like encouraging some, someone to do something that would cost them $16,000 is not beneficial at all. They needed to do a lot more in the interest of their customers, um, which was one of the recommendations of the report. But a lot of the other recommendations of the Royal Commission have been implemented in this year's federal budget, which we did cover in our budget episode as well. But basically, um, like we acknowledged, lost super due to multiple accounts, has always been a big issue and has cost Australians literally billions of dollars. So one of the big changes was that now your super account will follow you for life, even across different jobs, unless you purposely elect to change. So you no longer need to create all these multiple accounts when you're switching jobs. 
there's also been a few changes to make sure that you are not stuck in low performing super funds that aren't really earning you a lot of money with your investments. So there is now a Your Super interactive tool, which will rank super funds according to their fees and and their returns. And also each year, super funds will be assessed to ensure that low performing funds do not take up any more new customers until they improve their performance. Which is all really great stuff to hear, but perhaps the biggest concern with super and the um, event that got me interested in doing this episode has been the changes due to COVID. Um, a change that's flown over a lot of people's heads, I think. Yeah, so I think most of our listeners will be aware of the fact that um, if you are experiencing some form of financial disadvantage during COVID-19, you can request early access to your super to support you during this time. So if you're unemployed, um, if you're receiving certain Centrelink payments, your working hours have reduced by more than 20%, or if you're a sole trader and your business has been severely impacted, um, you are eligible for early access to your super. And a lot of people have done this. As of July of this year, more than 2.6 million Australians have accessed their super, and this is estimated to have cost around $40 billion. And clearly there will be some serious consequences to this. So it did provide well-needed short-term security, but it presents long-term challenges, especially as your super is invested and it builds upon the returns gathered from these investments. Um, So CanStar crunched some numbers and this is what they found. Imagine you're 30 years old and you have a super balance of 40 grand. Then you access 20,000 of this um, super early due to COVID. By the time you retire at age 67, you will have 83000 less than what you would have if you didn't access your super. So even though you only took yeah. out twenty k because of how compound interest works, you're losing eighty three. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also some other warnings on um, taking super out early. If your account balance drops below $6,000, it means that important insurance covers that come with super, such as life insurance and disability insurances, could be automatically cancelled. So you'd need to contact your super and opt to have these covers still charged to make sure you're protected in the worst case scenarios. Yeah, so I think it's really important that although these changes were introduced, that we're aware of the implications of these changes and making sure that we're fully educated on our decisions. Okay, and now it's time for our recommendations. Vanessa, what have you got for me today? My recommendation is an infographic ranking pension systems around the world and Australia comes third. I want to put you on the spot here. Take a guess at who was first and second. Oh, I would have no clue. I'm going to guess like Finland or New Zealand. Denmark and Netherlands. So like actually this, the right region, you're thinking Scandinavia. Yes, I'm thinking Scandinavia because yeah. I just, anything that's top performing in the world, you just think Scandinavia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. No, yes. Yeah, well, it makes sense because we do, like I said before, we're one of the um, largest holders of pension fund assets. So we're clearly doing something right. My recommendation is actually a bit more of a practical one. I would suggest everyone listening to go create a MyGov account if you don't already have one and check out your super because whilst you can also create a super account through your fund website, you can also keep track of all your super funds uh, through the ATO and this can really help you find your lost super and you can also consolidate your super through your MyGov account. So it's a really easy one-shop stop 
portal for you to go to to make sure you have no lost super floating around. Look at you, you government spokesperson. I love my Can the Australian government sponsor us? (laughs) Please. (laughs) That's it from us today. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode and let us know what you think. We're interested to hear your thoughts because this is an issue that affects everyone that works in Australia. Yeah, especially if you have any good super stories, like were you ripped off by an employer? Did you decide to take it out early? You know, if you could give these stats some context and reach out, we might actually pop up an Instagram story or something like that. Yeah, for sure. I'd love to have some listener input and, you know, see how these episodes relate to you personally. Exactly. So in the meantime, follow us for more short, sweet and simple Aussie content on Instagram at Australia Explained Pod. All the info is in the show notes for you to check out. See you next week. Bye. Bye.